0: I'll just say it's slightly embarrassing, slightly illegal. And stay tuned.
1: Fears. 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 Weather. Fears.
2: Food,
3: Fears. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Joey Nolfi, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter.
2: And I'm Jillian Cederholm, the um, Entertainment Weekly's news director of entertainment Weekly's news director of that
3: wait jillian jillian do you want to try that again
2: not really i think i did a really good job if i do say so myself (laughs) canned
3: bits i love jillian's canned bits we are the hosts of ew's quick drag podcast and in the great tradition of the room design challenge on episode 5 of rupaul's drag race season 15 before we get into a recap of the episode and interviews with amethyst and mistress isabel brooks I must reveal that we're broadcasting live from our adopted house. No, not the house of Visage, Matthews, or Cressley. Instead, we hail from the house on top of Willow Pill's head from the season 14 Spring Has Sprung runway.
2: You want a big pill or you want a Willow Pill?
3: Jillian, how are you settling into our new digs?
2: What our listeners don't realize is that all podcasts exist in a time loop, and we're recording this both before and after Will, Will Pill's runway, and someone on this podcast is actually the one who wrote help in blood on the back of that house. And Joey, you'll find out whose blood it was during our next break.
3: <laughs> this is the most disturbing intro we've ever <laughs> Thankfully, our house is still within walking distance to Alaska's clinic on San Vicente and Santa Monica, and none of the real friends of WeHo have moved to the block just yet. So let's dive into Mistress Isabel Brooks's favorite topic and diagnose all of the glorious drag delusion on Episode 5, House of Fashion. So before we get to the challenge, RuPaul opened not really the library for the reading challenge. Given the quick fire nature, it was more like the temporary scholastic book fair pop-up in your elementary school library. Given that we mostly only got one read per queen, except for a few, uh, namely mini challenge winner Lucy Laduca who had some of the funniest and most savage reads I've seen on this show in a long time like I laughed out loud at every single one especially the one about Selena uh Jillian what did you think of the reading challenge and who had the best reads
2: So just like snatch game I thought Lucy and Mistress took this for me they were both really funny and got really dark in a way that I think was still obvious that it was a joke um yeah. that I guess I'm sort of worried just we've seen this season with some of the younger queens being so concerned with like not knowing (laughs) that a read is uh, a loving joke and then seeing that in the fandom as well that i you know like every time there's something that does get kind of uh dark or vicious the kind of humor that i really love uh i do start to get worried of like oh how is this going to be reacted to um but i i really loved lucy's reads a lot
3: yeah, it doesn't get much darker though than, than Lucy being like, well, Yolanda shot the wrong Selena, which <laughs> might be it might be up there with the uh Fifi O'Hara. You, you can't be in here with uh- for the meet and greet without a wristband, like one of my favorite reads of yeah, all time, I thought it was, that was hilarious.
2: It was dark and also Mistresses or Lucy's read on Mistress. I thought was a very <laughs> clever way to do a fat joke. If you're going to do it, this is the way that I think you should do it. Um, we are all reading those kitten heels, and it's not her fault they start off as stilettos. I thought was really funny.
3: Well, Jack, I want to talk. Like, did you notice that Jacks looked particularly perturbed by Aura's joke, or at least the exchange with Aura, where? Nora made some joke and then like barked like a dog. And then Jax was like, well, you're the one trying to fuck me. And – Aura looked very shaken after Jack said that. So she
2: did, but it, it it to me, I was like, "Oh, reading challenges is now where we get some of our best tea." Because last yeah. season is when we found when Willow the did the read on George's wanting to eat Orion's <laughs> ass, and then yeah, so I was like, "Oh, this is where we're getting it now." We're just like
3: the episode four lip sync conspiracy. We have now discovered that the reading challenge is now the hookup conspiracy. <laughs> tea supplier of the season you know that was one of my favorite topics of last year that was so funny uh but we will perhaps maybe get some more tea on that in our interview with amethyst later who did have something to say about uh miss aura in the workroom but irene i also want to talk about irene who was eliminated on episode two also posted to tiktok some of the reads that she would have done on the show and there are a few standouts um my favorite one being she said she was saying something about how lucy she was like i could just make a joke about how you're a construction worker and your face looks like a brick but i want to go in a completely different direction you're a whore it just i love when it's just something that you don't completely don't see coming and it's so stupid and it's so silly and i think um irene would have done really well on this challenge
2: yeah, I actually I the one that I that stood out to me because I didn't get it at first, I thought she like forgot Robin's name. Robin Fierce and she Bi said, one? well, but b- before that, she said she just like when she just casually called her Robin Fine Robin instead Fine. of yeah. Fierce. At first I was like, wait, Robin Fine, did she change her name? Oh, that's like a read on Fierce, which I thought was just so clever and subtle. <laughs> that's so funny.
3: The first drag queen in her story to get less screen time than Sherry.
2: <laughs> Yikes
3: really good. A yeah. really good read.
2: Um so RuPaul then introduced this week's main challenge, the House of Fashion, which gave us season 2 episode 1 vibes this time around though, the queens had more than just curtains and their cutthroat sisters to contend with. The season 15 queens were separated into 3 groups. And unleashed into respective rooms with aesthetics inspired by drag race judges, Michelle Visage, which was the gloriously tacky animal print room. Carson Cressley <laughs> the plaid horse girl room. And if you watch the Rose Parade, you will know that Carson is a noted equestrian that always marches mm-hmm. on a horse there. Uh, and Ross Matthews, which was the Palm Springs room, a.k.a. where drag queens go to die. And yes, Sasha <laughs> Colby was there again. Next uh, nap. <laughs> They had to fight for scraps of unconventional materials, although most of it was fabric to use from the rooms as they designed outfits for the runway. With uh, some learning for the first time that couch pillows have zippers in them,
3: (laughs) that is absolutely something that I feel like I would do if we were in this challenge. And you would look at me and you would just be like, "Um, "What? Why are you cutting that?" You'd be like, "There's a zipper." That would that's absolutely an exchange that would happen between you and I. But I also I just want to say I refuse to believe that the Michelle Visage room was the Michelle Visage room. That was actually the June Jambalaya Ball um, room with inspired. entirely by june jambalaya's elimination outfit i just want to put that out there well
2: i am currently sitting in a room with a purple couch so i feel like it was partially inspired by me as well
3: <laughs> are you in the interior illusions cocktail lounge
2: always, <laughs> always. i live in the interior delusions cocktail lounge but um, same mentally, but did you yes. i thought this was a really fun spin on a regular challenge i liked that I they were grouped, so we got to kind of compare them to each other but just see like what how fun how much fun they all had in their own their own spin on it. Um, what, did you, what did you think about having it be more, mater- more fabric though than unconventional materials? I actually I, liked that a lot because we could see yeah. what they can actually pull off.
3: -hmm I yeah I know I love that too and I think that that for me this is always when drag race feels the best is when there are design challenge challenges and they're all just like Kikiing in the workroom making their outfits and I think this actually this episode actually helped with the time limits that we've been having because it was more focused on just the queens in the workroom all doing one challenge together and we got the walkthrough with rue. I think this episode actually felt the closest to normal that maybe Mm -hmm. we've had all season outside of all the Queens only getting like one read in the library challenge. I, I always think there's like a magical element to like when we're seeing drag Queens in the workroom, working, helping each other. Like it just feels like old school drag race in a really nice, like cozy, fuzzy way. And I just, I really like that whole vibe. I also thought it was interesting to see spice in the wild without sugar for the Mm -hmm. first time. And her sort of popping off now under, you could see like the groundwork for the mistress and adopting sugar and spice where she's like, girl, be shady. Tell, let it all out, (laughs) let it all out. And spice is just like popping off. Like there's some girls that shouldn't be here. And mistress is like, say it girl, say the name. (laughs) It's just, I loved it, which she didn't say in the workroom. She ended up just saying aura in the confessional, but uh, hopefully we're going to get some more tea out of mistress later when we talk to her about uh, this very moment. But um, I also think it's – I mean, as we saw with Amethyst and I think Aura hot glue gunters as well, like, I mean, as we teased Jujubee about all the time, it's like, Queen's still not knowing how to sew. Like, how do we feel about this?
2: Yeah, it's just – I mean, I also spent my weekend watching a lot of Project Runway. And so I was just <laughs> like, "It's there's really no excuse at this point for you know this is coming unless you just really don't care. Like, just take one or two sewing classes to – figure out how to put this together. I actually, my friend and I both... Um we signed up for a sewing class <laughs> for a couple months oh from now God. after watching this. So we were so inspired, even though we are not going not to be competing on drag race. You so, did not tell me this. So, well, what? surprise. <laughs> I'm making you a little outfit, Joey. Oh, thank you. I'm so
3: happy. That is truly like the best gift. No, you have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to make Booger a little outfit because Booger is now yours. <laughs> yes. Make Booger a little teeny tiny outfit. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I also don't think I think that we've seen queens make some really great outfits with just like glue guns though i mean like we we really have seen a lot of that so i mean i think it's possible but you have to go into it knowing that you're gonna hot glue something and not just be like taken by surprise and just be like oh well i'm a fish out of water and i'm like i don't know how to sew
2: yeah you can do practice hot glue gunning at home too just have someone you know like make a pattern for you to take with you which i think is okay
3: Yeah, I well, that might uh, might be maybe that might be breaking the rules actually. But I mean, we saw Lux, but we saw
2: Lux, who is a sewer and a designer, like using her own pants like as a pattern. So it's just like things like that that you can just easily mimic.
3: Mm-hmm. And those pants look so fabulous. I mean, when the outfits hit the runway, I just I thought it was it was such a solid overall group, if not completely jaw on the floor overall, like it was solid. Um, I think Lux clearly had the best outfit and she rightfully won the challenge. She mm-hmm. looked like an absolute supermodel on that runway in those zebra pants. And I'm sure Vanessa Hudgens is so into safaris and zebra <laughs> right now, as am I. I think we can both agree that Lux did the best.
2: Yes, it was outstanding.
3: Brilliant. But who else deserved higher praise here and who do you think struggled?
2: Um, I mean, yeah, the thing that really stood out to me was that there, other than Amethyst, unfortunately, like it really was draping oh, uh yeah. with the belt. Like other More than amethyst. that, everyone did really pull it off, I thought. Like there there was everyone I could see being, say, like switching positions. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like with maybe one tweak. Even Jacks, Yeah, everyone. I, I actually thought that of the people that were left out of the top that I would have really liked to have seen was uh, Anitra. I thought hers looked really polished
1: mm-hmm.
2: and cute. Robin's and so I think too, like of yeah. that group, I would have probably swapped out sw- – wait, was Robin ended up in the top, right?
3: Robin was in the top, yeah. yeah. so
2: I probably would have swapped Anitra and Robin. But I mean like everyone. i was like, oh, like one tweak to that and I would have done it. The The one that I – I mean, the the problem is that everyone did really well, but mm-hmm. I really did not expect Selena to be in the bottom. And I didn't either. I, yeah,
3: it was good. I thought her look was good. Like, I like, I was actively like, okay, this is one of the best ones on the runway. That coat, the the way that she stitched, like the patterns and the materials that she used, I thought it worked so well. I, I think if the hair maybe was a little bit higher, it, it would have looked even better. But I don't think it looked bad in any sense. I thought she did really well. I also thought Jax, who they read, looked good too. I was like, oh, that's a really interesting way to to do uh, take on the what is that pattern called, like flannel. I thought it was, I, I thought it was cool. And I, I definitely don't think Selena deserved to be in the bottom. I mean, Amethyst, by her own admission, even in this interview that we did, it's like she knows she struggled with this and. But I look at at Amethyst look and I'm like, it just also speaks to me about the evolution of Drag Race and how much it has turned into like these designers really monopolizing the looks on the runway. Because Amethyst look, I'm like, maybe minus the stole. I'm like, that is a look that would have won the challenge on Drag Race Season 2. Like, yeah. it's just, it, it was, it you know, you you take away the stole, you have just the silhouette, the dress, the hair, like that would have, they would have gone crazy for that on season two. And that's not a read on Amethyst, but it's just like, it's just the standard is, it's just so crazy how much the standard has changed into something completely different on Drag Race versus what it was 10 years ago.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing that stood out to me also was just what are we judging the queens on doing? Mm-hmm. I think especially because I was watching Project Runway, so like on a show like that, like you do expect these things to be tailored and just look so finished where that's not really what I'm looking for. And that's why it's fine. If someone's hot glue gunning, I am looking for someone being, having innovation and doing something different. And I think like, we do keep hearing this argument that if you're like a, a tall, skinny fashion queen or even a, a shorter, skinny queen like George's last season, which mm-hmm. I I think that George's look was really cute. Was it yeah, a piece it of fabric draped with a belt in a certain way? Yes, but yes. it was cute. It was um, cute. But I think that like if you were to swap like a Selena's look on someone with maybe a different body type, I think on people would have been gagging in a different way than if you put what yes. Spice had on swapped that onto selena i think people would have been like what the hell is this it's just like exactly. a exactly
1: yes yeah you put
3: this what selena was wearing you put that on Gigi good and people would or, or got mick and people would have been losing their minds it's it's really unfair but i mean i i'm i was just glad to see that pretty much all the takes that i was seeing online after this episode were like really selena was in the bottom like this look was not bad but um I also thought, did you clock that at judging when Malaysia said that she had never sewed anything before and we cut again to like a perturbed Jax that was like, uh, what? Like, what was the implication there, diva? Like what? I am not sure what the Jax was trying to imply.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really. I think I noticed it, but I didn't really give it a lot of thought. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if she thought like is is Malaysia saying this to make herself. Look better of like oh this is the first thing I've ever sewn or did mm-hmm. she think it was a lie or did was there something else or if she's like well are you putting her up there because it's her first thing versus someone who knows mm-hmm. what they're doing I I don't know but I
0: well
3: yeah. maybe in a future interview we will get the tea out of one or both of them who knows um, there was also something else that was popping up online uh the great disappearing amethyst mystery uh where you see when they come back to hear the final rankings amethyst is like just not in one of the shots on the runway and then they cut back and she's just back so uh I, we will be asking mistress about that later <laughs> to see if they, because amethyst did go on twitter and was like yeah it was a pretty embarrassing reason as to why i wasn't there she was like maybe i'll reveal it someday oh and that came out after i had already completed my interview with amethyst i, I would have asked her but uh, all of this sort of popped off after our interview had, was already done, so I will definitely make sure that we ask.
2: Mr. I, that this. totally went over my head, as did this this other really cute moment that a lot of fans pointed oh, out, yeah. and I know you caught of Lux, who has been like subtly quoting Drag Race <laughs> scenes of the past <laughs> that are maybe the the less known. So, can you can you talk about this because you did point this out to me? What she said and untucked.
3: Yes. And well, it, this follows the episode one moment where when um, Ariana Grande comes in as vivacious and is struggling with the zipper, she goes, let us see just like Laganja did back on season six, and like very few people caught on to it. But then this episode, she quotes the great Roxy Andrews with another great reference all the way back to season five, when Amethyst is, is sort of talking about her confidence issues in being amongst a group of who, who sh- she feels in that moment, I think, are queens that are excelling. And Lux is like, "But you're here with us, so so are you." Which is a like call back to when Roxy was talking to Monica Beverly Hills back on season five in the Interior Illusions cocktail lounge. So, like, all these props to Lux, who like is the youngest queen on the season, but like clearly knows her history front and back. And it's not just with this show; it is with. All kinds of shows like she's very knowledgeable on like America's Next Top Model and just all kinds of pop culture references from that era. So props to Lugs.
2: Yeah, it was very cute, and I'm looking forward to keeping a closer eye on that going forward. Yes. Um, so I think that we might be responsible uh, for Selena's downfall because last week no. we said as much as we don't want her in the bottom, we would love to see her lip sync, <laughs> and we got yeah. our wish, unfortunately. <laughs> but did. also, it was exactly what we were looking for. What we wanted. Yes. Um, so, but she was just really torn up over it, and she had it led to this really sweet moment between her and Sasha Colby oh, and I, I top, up at that. where I was also where Sasha was just giving her some very loving advice. They know each other from the LA scene and you could just tell that they were good, uh, Judy's and, um, putting Sasha put her hand over Selena's heart (sighs) to calm her down and just give her a little pep talk. That brought Um, tears to my eyes. It was, it was so sweet. And then, so Mm -hmm. Selena did have to lip sync against Amethyst to guest judge Janelle Monet's song queen. And (laughs) she just really did give us the (laughs) lip sync we were looking for. She, they both like dropped their, um, they're draping at the same time right to draping. begin, but then when Selena had her skirt drop moment, which at first seemed like it was maybe a mistake, and then, like, right after right their, the lyric came of, like, my skirt, my skirt on, the on the ground, it was, That's like, art, Mama. it was great. It was, like, this yes. was a lip sync that I am looking for on Drag Race. Not yeah. to discredit the first couple, but I, I was- I was fully into this one. What were your
3: because we know I am into Princess Poppy's lip sync uh, to Diana Ross. <laughs> yes, I stand yes, by yes. Sure, yes, <laughs> I think that that is a funny lip sync as well. But yeah, Selena's I think was the first truly great lip sync of the season, and will go down as like one of those lip syncs that people talk about from the season for sure. That one that they remember. But um, I think it was also great to see that even though unfortunately we lost Amethyst, I, I think that Amethyst has really been. Like I feel like there's so much more that we we still still to come from Amethyst because she was still making me laugh even as she left. Like when she was like, I'm going, I'm, yeah. I'm going. <laughs> like it's just she, I, I really feel like she's one of the unsung comedy queens of the season between this and Snatch Game. I just think that she has so much comedic potential and I'm just sorry to see her go because I think she has a lot more to give.
2: Yeah, I agree. She's definitely a memorable queen that I am looking forward to following.
3: Mm-hmm. And also apparently a fan of hers, she got a parting gift um, after everybody spent the season comparing her out of drag look to Jack Antonoff. Jack actually tweeted a photo of Amethyst and her confessional look over the weekend. So I mean, if that's not an amazing parting gift, like I don't know what else is.
2: <laughs> there we go.
3: Well, don't go anywhere if you'd like to hear the woman at the center of this elimination talk about it herself. Stay tuned for our Q&A with Amethyst, where she reveals the Snatch Game character she almost did instead of Tan Mom. And trust me, uh, that reveal, uh, to quote Lux, gagged me a bit. Plus, she talks about an allegedly very horny Aura Mayari and the moment that sent her into a, quote, spiraling downfall in the design challenge when she realized her design was the same as another queen's on her team and she had to switch it all up. All of that is coming right up. Hello again, Miss Amethyst. How are you feeling today?
1: Hi, Joey. I'm good. How
3: are you? I am so great. I have to say, though, I'm sorry that we have to dig up this elimination today because this one, it truly, it hurts. It has been such a joy watching you on TV, and I know it was a very hard-fought battle, and you brought a lot of joy to people on this season. So I just have to say congratulations, first and foremost, for your run on the show.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate
3: that. Of course. Of course. I mean, like I said, Tan Mom, I just, I can't (laughs) stop thinking about Tan Mom. It was so (laughs) funny. But before we get into all of that good stuff, I just, I want to check in on how you're feeling now, sort of reliving this elimination versus maybe how you first felt when you immediately left the show. Like, did it take some time for you to process?
1: Oh yeah. A lot of time, but I feel like I'm finally at a good place where you know, I was able to watch it and get through it. And I'm like, you know what? It's not so bad because, you know, my drag has been growing just so quickly. And, um, you know, looking back, I feel like no matter where I would have been today with my drag, looking back at it, it would have been embarrassing no matter what. It would have been cringy no matter what. You can ask anybody in the cast or any drag queen on the street and say like, like let me show you a picture of what you looked like a year ago or let me show you what you were up to a year ago yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be cringy so (laughs) i was ready for it i mentally prepared myself um but i'm good i'm good
3: well that's good i'm glad that you're good i don't think though what we saw on drag race from you was cringy in any sense i mean like i said i i the 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 bright note for you though obviously was snatch game and I'm sorry I thought you were really funny and I thought that you were one of the best of the challenge as I Tan apologize. Mom.
1: It's no. Good.
3: I just I mean I'm I just don't want to put it out there like I'm putting any of the other queens down I, I but getcha. I, getcha. I just I am curious though to know who were maybe <laughs> some of your backups and how did you land on Tan Mom Ooh, with all people to do?
1: Good question. So I brought Judy Garland with me. now yeah here's the thing here's the thing (laughs) um had i done judy can we can we just imagine the world that we would have been living in where amethyst attempted to come for a judy garland (laughs) snatch game after jinx monsoon just nailed it perfectly Uh in all stars like can you imagine in my mind all i like i was just thinking girl you can't do judy in front of rupaul like that's too much like your eyes are bigger than your um, brain at this point. And I just, um, I'm like, let me pull it back, girl. Let me pull it back. Cause this is, that's going to be, if I fail, I'm going to fail. And I just like, don't, I don't want to fail Judy in front of RuPaul. So another backup was Sarah Paulson. Oh God. Which would have just been like super one note in my mind, Because it just would have been a lot of like, I'm scared, I want a cupcake, and then just like a lot of like, (laughs) jump scares and stuff like that. (laughs) So to me, um, oh, I also brought Julia Fox, but that that was like very, I didn't, I had no idea what I was going to do with that. I just brought the look, if that makes sense.
3: Those are such great choices, though. All three of those, (laughs) I feel like. Can I put you on the spot and have you tried to do a line as Judy right now?
1: (laughs) As Judy? Well, I just talked like this. And I did a lot of the the pills, the pills talking, my pills. I label them as like um, M&Ms and they're, um. and then I say like, I, I, I put M's on them because they're for me or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I so, love that. <laughs> in my mind, Tan Mom, was it the most, like, it was the weirdest choice, but it was also one that made sense to me um, because here's the beauty of doing a uh, celebrity or somebody that we're just not really that familiar with. You can just go with the flow. You can make yeah. up whatever you want. Like there's no like distinguishable quotes from tan mom. So that's where the beauty comes in and I can just go in and sprinkle in whatever I want, whatever I think would fit the character. Um, and I think I did that.
3: Yeah. Have you, have
1: you heard from her? <laughs> I did um you You did (laughs) yeah she tweeted me Oh she tweeted she tweeted about the show in general um just how great drag race is um and she said that i did her justice or something like that (laughs) um the tweets are um a little hard to understand um because she is tan mom after all yes um so after deciphering the tweets for about two hours because for you know i sat there i'm like (laughs) She, did she like it? I really can't tell with this verbiage that she's using. Um, so after about two hours of deciphering, I was like, no, she liked that. She liked that.
3: Yeah, we're going to go with that. We're going to go with that. She <laughs> loved go it. That one. Yes, I yeah. am so happy for you that, that she liked it. We're <laughs> going to fully subscribe to that. Now, I do want to ask you about uh in the in the moment it we saw sugar kind of getting in your space and you telling her to calm down in the challenge but so was that part of the whole act of snatch game or were you really like telling her like <laughs> back off in rubber room energy
1: I, I think i think uh i think that came out i don't think that was um Tim mom's character first But after I said it, I was like, oh, we're angry. We're angry today. Let me just go with this. (laughs) And then I just kind of like went with um, the angry attitude.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. No, I think, it, I think it worked with the character. And something else that I also thought worked was your Lady Gaga runway. It had a lot of people talking. So was that always the plan for that runway or, or was that a backup as well? Because I know sometimes people like to switch things up and having a Lady Gaga look is like a very specific thing to just like randomly have in your suitcase.
1: Um, so that was actually like the first runway prompt that I like conceptualized really firmly in my head um, when getting all of them, mm-hmm. if that... It's a surprise. Um, For me, there's more of a, you know, the the message is crystal clear when Gaga did it, um, the metaphor of the paparazzi killing her and not letting the fame take her life. Um, I just think that in itself is so beautiful. Um, And then, I mean, the horror part, the nightmare part is, you know, the blood, the gore, the theatrics. Um, mm-hmm. So, and you know, like like you said, it's creating waves online. I've seen a lot of positive, but I've also seen some negative. And I would just like to, you know, clear the air and say, yes, it was, you know, uh, recreation, if you will. Um, could I have done something original? Yes. Um, but in my mind, um, I'm a firm believer in, if something's not broken, don't fix it, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I, you know, why would I go above and beyond to try and, um, make something out of what Gaga has already perfected in saying? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, but I mean, and- so much about drag is like just repurposing in general. I mean, that's the root of the art form yeah. is like, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Paying tribute to our divas,
1: right? Right, mm-hmm. it does have a lot to do with that,
3: and the thematics um, and of it.
1: The little double meaning behind it was, um, yes, it's you know about the fame and all that, but it has a lot to do with. I wanted to send a message to the toxicity and the fandom and some you know recent hate that we've been getting online. Um, hopefully, it resonates with some people because. Yeah, I think that message is really relevant, especially to the season 15 cast right now.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that. That was, a, we were both going to say literally the exact same thing. I was going to say that's making okay, me think see? of, we're we're always on the same wavelength, you and I. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I I think that it is especially important that we talk about things like that right now, especially with this whole Marsha and Mistress thing. The last thing I want to talk yeah. about is last week's episode before we move on to, to this week's episode. I mean, it's just this craziness that's happening online, mistress being bullied relentlessly in her Instagram account, getting reported and deactivated. Um yeah. Have you been in close contact with her and the rest of the group about it? And what sort of the consensus there on the whole thing and how to combat it?
1: Oh, uh, we're over it. We have a group chat, you know? Um, so, you know, we talk daily um, and we do like daily check-ins with everybody. And I'm really thankful um, for the sisterhood that we've created, but, um i don't know i was just thinking about this yesterday i don't know if it's like so awful all of a sudden or if i if we're just like now realizing like how toxic the fans can be because like we're in it now Mm -hmm. because i was like trying to think back i'm like when has it ever been like this gross like this bad and it's particularly bad this season yeah it really is and i'm like but is it is it bad because we're just like now no, like we're picking up on it because we're the butt end of, you know, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also just particularly that It could be that, you know, we're mainstream now we're on that MTV, <laughs> which is great, but that could have a lot to do with it now that we have a wider audience. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it really doesn't sit well with any of us. And I think what a lot of people need to remind themselves before they take to their keyboards is that, we've We filmed the show a, a good a good amount of time ago. and you know, any issues that you're seeing that you know might come up on the show in the episodes, it, it's ninety nine point nine percent resolved at this point. Yeah, it's been that- talked about, you know, like it's 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 history. Mm-hmm. And for people to just like start um picking it all back up and like reminding us like that's that's not fun. No, that's not no. fresh and fierce you know
3: yeah no people need to <laughs> knock it off they really do yeah. and it's just it's craziness but i do want to make sure we we talk about this episode as well which speaking of things that you know are dead and gone and forgotten about um <laughs> y- y- you know i'm not gonna ever forget and let you get away with this in this interview without talking about the read that selena had about you and robin <laughs> in the library challenge. (laughs) Um, What was both of your reactions uh, in the room like to that joke afterward? We got a quick shot to Robin, but what was your reaction to that?
1: I just remember, it's funny because like I had this like, you know, sense of shock on my face, but I was also feeling this like sigh of relief during the reading challenge because I was like, where's all the nose jokes? I was like ready. I was ready for them. And then pretty much like all the, all the reads were about me and Robin. And I was like, well, all right. That's one route you can take.
3: Uh-huh.
1: So uh, in the reading challenge,
3: though, too, we do see uh, uh, Aura's read. Like I said, everybody gets like one. And one Aura about- and Aura says um uh something about she she tries to read Jack's and then Jack says, Well, you're the one trying to fuck me. And like she looks <laughs> kind of like disturbed by the read so what is the tea there like was there a secret crush going on in the workroom between those two maybe
1: um here's something that you need to know or that you'll figure out Aura is very horny <laughs> so i think we all felt it at one point or another like what is this? what is it? what is this like very that you know so aura's hitting on everybody in the cast yeah yeah <laughs> Well, I it can't, listen, it's a cute cast, Joey. I mean, it is. Yes. We're pretty cute. So it's a, it's a
3: cute collective bunch. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this design challenge. Um. You know, we always okay. love to see a design challenge. It's, I, I always think it's fun to see the, like Queens actually working in the workroom, you know, like there, there's a sort of magic element, whether somebody is maybe, struggling with the design or like really <laughs> confident in their design. I think that it it feels like real, you know, because it feels like you're yes. making something, you're collaborating, you're talking together. There's like an organic sort of magic in the design challenges that I always like. Um, so I'm wondering with you, with your initial vision for uh, the design, how close was your final product to what you had initially envisioned and how did it change along the way?
1: Oh, it was so far from what I wanted to do like could not be further from what I wanted to do um here's here's what I can say my original design was very similar to um another girl's and I felt the need that you know I want I started from scrap basically um because so- I had the same concept and the same kind of idea because as we know I don't sew and I was gonna you know do the hot glue gun route and what I would do at home to make my own garments is literally hot glue um fabrics or in this case you know unconventional materials to pre-existing like body pieces like bras or um like bottoms. Yeah and when I saw that another queen was gonna be doing that like exactly with pretty much the exact same design that I had already drawn up. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't think it was ill-intentioned. I don't think she saw my design. I just think we have very similar aesthetics. Um, and I tried to do this whole, like, no, I'm better than this. I'm on, I'm on drag race. I can do this. Um, and I think it was another instance of like, um, I'm just trying to think of the phrase, just like I, I was out of my depth trying to yeah. figure out with a new concept that was like over the top. And um, yeah, so I ended up scrapping what I had and I went with what we saw on the show, which mm-hmm. wasn't much, but um, I still managed to pull it together. So that's something.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because you're under an immense amount of pressure and you pulled something together.
1: Yep. Yep. In uh, less than a day. And, um, but yeah, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So, who, wait, so, so the
3: other person then decided to keep going with their original uh, vision. Who was it?
1: Um, I'm not going to say the name, but they were in my group.
3: They were in your group. I'll just leave it at
1: that. Yes. Okay.
3: Okay. But it wasn't like a contentious thing. It wasn't like you were angry at each other. Absolutely not. No. Okay.
1: I, it was literally an instance of me looking over and like, cause I was just like, you know, looking around the table and like looking at the girl's designs and I looked over and glanced at her sketchbook, saw it and kind of like did that thing where I like covered my design with my hand, like really slowly. And mm-hmm. then I flipped the page and I was like, let me start over. Cause like, oh. I'm not, we're not doing this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of, that was my, that was my spiraling downfall.
3: Mm-hmm. No, I get it. And I think so, so then it, it all leads to this, the the lip sync between you and selena uh i i thought it was yes. a great lip sync it was a lot of fun to watch it was fun to watch janelle you. watching you guys do this lip sync so yeah what was your headspace though going into the lip sync because it was it was the third time you are the lip sync assassin what was your your headspace uh-huh. going into the lip sync
1: um i mean i know there was like a verbiage or a, a saying being uh looped in my head over and over which was mistress saying like you know one well, three strikes and you're out girl Mm-hmm. um like that was my mindset so honestly listen I'm gonna be honest I didn't have a lot of good intentions going into it but like I just I did not I wasn't expecting a positive outcome if you know what I mean yeah, yeah. so I went I went into it just wanting to have fun because yeah. it might have been my last time on that stage and it was and I'm glad I did what I did mm-hmm
3: well, I am very glad that we all got a chance to get to know you on this season. It again, I just I think that Tan Mom is definitely gonna go down as a great snatch game. So you have a lot to be proud of and I can't thank, thank you, you enough for being so great in all these interviews that we've done. It's really been a pleasure to to get to know you.
1: Thank you, Charlie. Likewise.
3: Thank you for listening to that lovely chat with Amethyst. Up next, we have another special guest, the divine mistress, Isabel Brooks, who is here to talk about the unfortunate rise in bullying in the fandom after her Instagram account was reported and deactivated several times in the last two weeks after her clash with Marsha, Marsha, Marsha in Untucked. Plus, we get the tea on the origins of her in Malaysia adopting sugar and spice into the Brooks Davenport dynasty, which is still so much fun. Every time I say that sugar and spice are now Davenports, it just gets me. So enjoy the chat. Mistress, how are you?
0: I'm doing good.
3: Yeah, I know that's a, it's a bit of a loaded question right now. I know you've really been going through it. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me for our podcast today. I know it's a difficult time, but like, how are you holding up?
0: I really am doing
3: good. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I just want you to be as comfortable as possible for this interview because I do want to, yeah, I mean, we got to, I think it's important to talk about this stuff. I think it's also important to talk about what you've been doing on the show because you have been doing so well on the season so far. It's just, it's unfortunate that as we see every year, you know, Queens experienced this kind of vitriol online from the fans after last week's episode with the, or, or two weeks ago between you and Marsha and untucked. I mean, your Instagram has been reported and suspended three times now. And because I think it's important for people to know the severity of this, can you maybe explain like the full extent to which people have been sort of attacking you online and how has this impacted you in your career?
0: Um. So the thing is, I feel like, and I was, I don't know if you saw my tweets and my threads that I posted originally. I feel like for me, my perspective is different than most girls who go on Drag Race. Um, You know, before I left for Drag Race, I think my Instagram was at like 3,000, 4,000 followers. Mm-hmm. So as those progress, I'm like inching towards like getting 100,000. So for them to like get my Instagram shut down, especially a week that was very big for me and very important, I don't I think most people would have freaked out. But for me, as it was happening, I was for doing a meet and greet at a sold out show where people were literally crying and sharing their stories with me. So I think that really put things into perspective, too. Like the Internet's kind of like a fake playground for the trolls. And I live in reality where, you know, <laughs> things actually are. So I think that my perspective is different because. They can get all my social media taken down. I could have nothing and I will still be fine. I think that is very disheartening and it's kind of like fighting a battle. You know, you can't win. So I think for me, I just like let it be and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Because Regardless of what I say, regardless of what messages people put out, people are still going to be hateful. People are still going to feel the way they feel. So it's kind of one of those things like it's, you can't really fight it. You have to just let it play out.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that I love that that version of reality, which is, I think, a, a, important for people to hear as well, that like, you know, the internet's a fake place, but like in reality, Mistress is sold out and has people cheering for her in person. So that is a brilliant way to look at it. Mm-hmm. have you have you had like conversations with instagram
0: corporate about this uh on my manager's behalf and then the, the so my managers were reaching out to fix it and um instagram actually did fix it multiple times but the thing i don't, I don't want to go into depth about what's happening because i don't want it to be repeated because i'm not sure if it's actually fixed yet but it, it's just like a it's not it's not that it's like a million people reporting me it's just a, a loophole in the reporting system that people keep abusing
3: oh i see i see well, and, and just to clarify, too, like you and Marsha are OK, right? Like what? Like that's it's a fantasy moment in Untucked that is like somehow carried well beyond a year in these fans minds.
0: Yeah. And like the thing, like with me and Marshall, me and all the girls, I feel like we went to the show. We're all competing to win. We did what we had to do. And now we're in the real world where we get to learn about each other. We get to actually be friends and we're not in competition mode anymore. So I'm good with all the girls. All the girls are good with each other. We talk and kiki all day, which is why it's very frustrating to have to relive these moments and the fans like kind of reignite everything. Well, how how quickly was
3: it not even a thing anymore after Untucked?
0: Um, Honestly, like, I, I it kind of um
3: like after you filmed it i mean after you and Marsha filmed that moment like how how quickly were you okay after that
0: yeah we we resolved that moment instantly like I actually i i said what i said we got into it and then they kind of cut out so first of all let me preface it with this a lot of people's conversation right now is like why are the girls fighting for second place none of us are fighting for second place if you go back and rewatch the untucked so, again, this goes back to more things that were cut off the show just because of the time limit, again, which is nobody's fault. Yeah. But the reason that the moment was so powerful for me was because when we were doing the walkthrough with Rue, um, Rue basically came up to me and told me that he thinks I'm shy, which we all know is not true. <laughs> so when I actually did good and kind of ran my whole group snatch game, that's why the moment was very impactful for me and for Marsha to be in her delusional state and say that she was second, which she brought up. I never brought up anyone's placement. I didn't really care. But just like I told the twins, if someone disrespects you or you feel some type of way about what someone says, why not say how you feel? That's the whole point Mm -hmm. of the reason why we're there. So for me, I just find the whole situation so funny. And it's so crazy how like some of the fans don't understand that people of color, plus size people, these kind of girls, it's a continuous thing throughout all the seasons that we get the shit into the stick. People yeah. are going to hate us more. People are going to just feel the type of way we're always the evil villains. And that's just the truth of the matter. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying like my perspective on everything. People are already going to perceive me as this. So what can I possibly do to even change that?
3: You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, you did. I, I You also, you referenced on Twitter the fact that the um, the Eureka comparisons sort of also ignored your individual art. And I thought it was interesting that on the Gay Heaven Challenge, there was a lot of you that were sort of leaning into those sort of comparisons, almost like you were anticipating that even before the cast was revealed and anybody knew that you were on the show. It's like you were already incorporating those things into the challenges. So did it, like, what was your mindset at the time? Like you're already anticipating and and getting anxious about that while you're
0: filming the show? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not dumb. Like I said, I I can take everyone's perspective and I kind of figured that if I I don't feel like there's ever been anyone like me on the show before, but I knew the closest comparisons would probably be with Eureka, only because of her background and inspiration with her drag itself, like southern pageantry kind of tease.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think a lot of us, especially Malaysia and I, we already knew we would be getting Silky, Cornbread, Eureka, Ginger Man. Like it was just I I just knew it was a thing, but I really didn't anticipate how big it would be. Like like speaking on on the reveal, like literally every i i I don't care how this sounds i had the most expensive promo reveal outfit i looked so fucking good i look 10 times better than anyone in that room i don't give a fuck how that comes off and people, the only thing they would say is, oh my God, Eureka's back. Oh my mm-hmm. God, Eureka. Oh my mm-hmm. God, does, does anyone think she looks like Eureka? And imagine like this is supposed to be like one of the biggest moments of your career. And you've been anticipating this for months and months and months. You spent all your time and all your money. You've worked your ass off to get, to, to get what your vision to come to life. And the only thing people say is Eureka. Yeah. And like, it's not even a funny joke. I love trolling. I, I love mm-hmm. to cut up. I can be the butt <laughs> of the joke. It's no tea to me, but at least be funny. Or yeah.
3: Yeah, it's 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 almost dis- dismissive and reductive to to look at somebody and just see. So, I mean, I don't even necessarily like know that it's even like an appropriate hit. like visually. I just I don't like even see the comparison. To be completely yeah, honest, like but, I mean, I but people
0: think that fat people all look the same. That's just the yeah. truth.
3: It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I can totally understand how that would feel. But I do think I want to commend you for a lot of the stuff you've even been saying on the season about other things. And on social media lately, Um, I mean, you've, you've been through hell in your life. And you've been very open about that. And I'm just wondering, because you are one of the younger queens of the season. And it just even from the moment we first met when we did that first interview last year, I was just like stunned by your maturity and and how well you speak and how like you have seem to have a very firm grasp on your individuality and who you are. And it's not a lot of people in their early 20s have that sort of grasp on life. Um, so what do you think that has, like, what has allowed you to get to that place to have this outlook that you have when things, you know, happen
0: like this? So let me preface this with, <laughs> I'm a very extreme person. So like if I'm, I have high highs and very low lows. So like when I, I I come from a place where I'm, and I don't want to get too in depth because I do share my story throughout the season, mm-hmm. but I, I have already faced a lot in my life and I've already been attacked by the biggest bullies you can imagine. And I feel like once you're wore down, like once you really hit rock bottom, there's literally only going up from there. And I feel like for me, I have this thing where if I feel like I'm pushed against the wall and I have nothing to lose, bitch, I'm going like full force. Yeah. That's why I keep laughing because when people get my Instagram deleted or people want to like micro micro like inspect what I do, like y'all are just adding fuel to the fire because if you're mad about what I said about in those episodes, maybe just buckle up because it's going to get even worse. Mm-hmm. So like, it just makes me laugh like, I would never let what someone thinks about me affect me unless it was someone that I I cared about or wanted to be in their place. If it's someone I look up into their career or someone I envision my life going in that direction, that's when I would care. But little 12-year-old trolls of people who only love the skinny white girls, like those people don't affect me. I don't want those people to be my fans. So it doesn't really matter to me. Like I said, when I went on Drag Race, I, had, I really went to showcase my art show why I'm the winner, why I deserve to win, and also just to share my story with people who might be going through similar things and to just give people a different outlook on life. And I think I've accomplished that. So even in the first few episodes, I already feel like my job is done. I, I did yeah. what I had to so, yeah. there's nothing anyone could say that would deter me from from feeling how I feel.
3: I love that. I I feel like you know inspired to like take on the world just talking to you. And I felt like that every time we have talked in an interview setting so far. But I I, I guess m- one of my questions was going to be you know what would you say to people who are doing this and 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 those who aren't doing it that see other people doing this but i almost feel like that's not even like after talking with you about this it's like it's not even something that is even relevant to say like what do you think it's important for to to give a message to people who are doing this or or to people who are watching other people doing this and not doing anything about it
0: um, it's kind of like I said in my tweet, For I, I think everyone's different. And I think that it's easy for people to be like, oh, I don't care. Like, so some people say they don't care and it really deeply affects them. But I genuinely want everyone to know, for those of you who just talk mess about me online, for those of you who tweet about me, for those of you who tweet at me, to get report my account or you're trying to like bring me down i i literally just laugh because you have to be truly miserable y'all are probably old has been twinks 40 years old no hairline practically <laughs> bald you have no friends you have mommy daddy issues i get it you're mad you're upset. like it's and i feel bad for these people I, I really do because y'all are lame y'all are lame as fuck and it, it's just like it's a chop. Like, what are you doing? I dare any of you to, to tell me that in real life. Cause I'll rock your shit. I don't care if that sounds ghetto. I don't care if people say, don't no, like no violence. Say it to me in life, in real life. I dare you. Mm-hmm. Cause we can, we'll handle it for sure. There you go. There you go. I love that. I love that fire. Have Have you had any
3: meaningful conversations about this with like other Rue girls who've gone through this? Cause I know like, I mean the Vixen, Silky, Raja O'Hara, like a lot of Queens have have endured similar situations like this
0: yeah a lot of people have reached out and a lot of people like um, especially the fans like when they come to my meet and greet they really like try to give me some inspiring words and I I always tell the girls too like I appreciate everyone reaching out I know everyone's story is different but I try to also tell people like for me I just want to move past it because like I I just hate when people bring it up in, in person when they meet me because at the end of the day I do drag my drag is not really like like a statement or I'm not doing something very out of the box or avant garde. My drag is simply to make people forget about their problems in their day and have a good time. So when I come, I want y'all to forget everything I want y'all to experience like pure bliss. When I perform, I want everyone to have a good time, forget your problems. And we're here in the moment to have fun. So like when you come see me, when you come meet me, baby, let's forget the bullshit. Like, let's just mm-hmm. let's just cut up. Yeah, because because regard I want to happen, I moved on.
3: Truly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's, there's a lot of good fun going on in this season too. So I want to make sure we talk about that as well. Cause like you're saying, it's like, this is, there's a lot of escapism going on and this, in this show too. And it's important to talk about that. And this episode, especially, I mean, the reading challenge, everybody looks forward to this reading challenge every single uh, season. And I mean, outside of the fact that you and Irene opened the reading challenge on episode one, beside that is beside the point, but <laughs> We, we largely only saw like one read per queen. And like, we, we know that the episodes are a little bit shorter this time. So that makes sense. But do you remember like maybe some of your favorite reads that you had for other Queens that didn't make it to the air?
0: So I think the twins already said that I had wrote their reads for them. So I I had a few reads um, in the building, you know, I was helping the girls. Um, one of my favorite reads that didn't air, I was surprised they didn't show it. Um, I told Rue, I was like, you know, Sasha Colby, the legend herself. You know, Rue, they say history repeats itself. So if this is anything like Miss Continental, maybe she'll get it the fifth time around. <laughs> Not you reading Sasha Goldby. Oh, my God. Were people afraid to read Sasha in the room? Yeah, that's why I was kind of surprised that, that no one really went for her. But also, people have to remember, too, that was that was very, very early. We really didn't know much about each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we barely and we barely, barely knew each other. Mm-hmm.
3: So the twins, but the twins, though, you did you offer to write the jokes for them or did they come to you and ask you to write the jokes?
0: I honestly don't remember, but I'm sure there. I want to say that they were reading, like telling me some of their reads. And I was like, girl, that's a mess. I, I think, <laughs> oh. Do you remember one of the ones that were a mess? No, I really I really don't. Because really, they don't know how to read. I feel like they were just like saying, like, Malaysia, baby dog, you smell. And I was like, girl, like, no, we're going to really go in.
3: Well, I love we got a little preview of this in the episode before, too. And I think it was Spice, right, who came in and said to Amethyst, like, oh, you know
0: what they say a third time
3: or uh, three oh, strikes yeah. and you're out.
0: That was one of them. That's why she said it.
3: <laughs> I love that you're just already like from day one, just like trying to corrupt
0: the twins. I love it. Baby, the twins, I should have never taught them how to read because now they want to <laughs> down. But you can't stop them now because I mean, you did you came
3: to adopt them um, sugar and spice along with Malaysia as well as in this family. So I I tried to ask sugar this last week. And I mean, you know, sugar probably better than anybody else. But like, I mean, it, it was it was difficult to get the answer out of sugar as to how this started. So can you walk me through how that sort of conversation started that you would come to be to adopt them?
0: So to make a long story short, like, I mean, y'all didn't really see in the first episode, but immediately when I met the twins, I began to help them because at the end of the day, we're on, we're in this competition. I think I, I wanted everyone to look their best. Because I want our season to be the best. Mm -hmm. So whenever I saw a problem with them or little things that could help them, that they, like, things that come with the experience of doing drag, because I will say this as well, doing drag on, like, TikTok or doing drag on social media where you're only releasing from the front is different than when you're doing drag and, like, where people actually see you because there's little things that refine you and make you more polished. Yeah. And when I saw the twins and I, I saw, like, this little, like, amateur mistakes they would make, I, I really wanted to help them because the truth is I think the twins are very talented. And I think they have their own niche and really the twins are kind of representing the future of drag. So regardless, I wanted the twins to like really just be on their best and like do their thing. So I would help them often. I would really help them with the challenges. We mm-hmm. would just, we've we got close very fast because also I think the twins were two of the people who I knew were there to make TV just like I was. So the twins, um, yeah, we just we just really got really close with each other very fast. And um they cut it out the episode, it didn't make it, but they alluded to it in untucked. But while I was painting, the twins were like, oh, you might as well be our drag mom. And I was like, well, I was like, well, my drag family, it's a long process of like being in my family. And for me, my drag kids are different because I care about my drag kids in and out of drag. And like my my drag family is like my actual family. So um, I told them, I was like, you know, you're on probation until like I see <laughs> how close you but the truth was like they, I accept them immediately because I could tell that I will be friends, not only with sugar and spice, but with Luca and Cooper as well. So oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it happened on had, set. Yeah. It happened on set. And then me, and then me and Malaysia, we're the mother and father. I'll let y'all decide who's who <laughs> perfect family balance because, you know, I, I, Malaysia had to really like be the main mother of of Spice because she has to keep her like grounded because me and Spice together I'd be like girl just read the fuck out of her and Spice is like so feisty, <laughs> sugar is sweet so I I give her like the strength to like start reading so it's a good family dynamic it balances out mm-hmm. for sure,
3: and I love that this was this is coming from you in Malaysia too who you you both also did have that really powerful moment I think it was episode two or three where you were talking about, you know, your past with your family. So I think it's so lovely to see like people being that are watching the show, because a lot of it is younger fans who maybe don't know the history of drag and the queer art form and the houses in New York City and the ballroom scene to see this sort of chosen family dynamic playing out with you both talking about family issues and then building a new family thanks to the show. Mm-hmm, definitely. It's beautiful. Now, the last thing I want to ask you about is there is, I, I'm sure you've seen this clip going around on Twitter. Uh, you can clearly see that Ms. Amethyst is not with the group. And she said on Twitter that there was something embarrassing happened to her and that she might reveal it at some point. Can you tell us why Miss Amethyst disappeared from the runway? <laughs>
0: I'm not really interested in getting sued. You know, I don't have many assets <laughs> for them to seize. So I will let Amethyst tell you that because she's rich. You know, the girls who work in the world and booked everywhere. I'm going to let my sister reveal it, but I'll just say... It's slightly embarrassing, slightly illegal. And stay tuned. <laughs> oh my, slightly embarrassing and illegal.
3: There is no better tease in the history of RuPaul's track Race than <laughs> saying this is slightly embarrassing and illegal. All right, Mistress, I cannot thank you enough. Again, it is just, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. You are such a joy. And I really hope that the rest of the season goes well for you because um, you're saying a lot of very important things both on and off the show. So I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, baby. I love you. I always
0: enjoyed our talks together.
3: They're wonderful. So wonderful. So here's to many
0: more. Yeah.
2: Our lease is up, and we are moving out of the Willow Pill (laughs) house on this episode of Quick Drag. You want
0: a big pill or you want a
2: Willow Pill? Thank you all for listening. Please make sure to rate us and subscribe now so you don't miss EW's Quick Drag next Tuesday for an all-new recap of RuPaul's Drag Race. Season 15 featuring new interviews, including next week's Eliminated Queen.
3: And make sure you keep up with all of our coverage at ew.com slash drag race throughout the year. Goodbye for now. Quick Drag is hosted and produced by Joey Nolte and Jillian Cederholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson.
1: This weather. Cloudy weather, ooh!